0: Welcome to the Story Walk, a podcast by storytellers for storytellers. And we hope that means you, whether you identify as a storyteller with a capital S, or if you just like to tell stories in your work, say as a teacher, librarian, counsellor, or community leader. And not forgetting if you're a parent or grandparent looking to share stories and values with your family. And since the Story Walk is organised by FEAST, that's the Federation of Asian Storytellers, our focus is on sharing Asian stories and celebrating the tellers from the Philippines in the East to Turkey in the West and the countless storytelling communities that lie in between.
1: Hello there, and welcome to the Storywalk. This is your host, Kripa Vinayagamurthy from Singapore. And joining me all the way from UAE, Dubai, is the one and only
2: Shireen Scythe. That's actually true, Kripa. I don't have a twin. There is only one of me. (laughs) Ha ha, smart cookie.
1: It's been such a joy working with witty Shireen, uh, pulling together this episode for you. Home, according to our stats, could be listening in from any part of the world.
2: Uh, what, what what, did our analytics say? Ah, uh, my geek moment. Our geolocation report says that we indeed have a worldwide listenership. The majority of our listeners are based in India, Singapore and the US, but we also have regulars in Europe, Turkey, Middle East, Australia, Philippines, Far East and Thailand. Our country focus for this episode. Watika! Watika. So today, if you're
1: listening in from Thailand, an extra special welcome to you. Now, by now, you'd have uh, gathered that Shireen is quite the researcher. Of course, she learns all the stuff to say in Thai. Meanwhile, here I am, just ordering large plates of Thai food every time I sit down to work on the episode. I was doing the research, <clears throat> getting into the mood. <clears throat>
2: <clears throat> or looking for an excuse to stuff your face, maybe. <laughs> um let's get back to the point.
1: Shireen has been my gentle but firm anchor along this journey. So Shireen, tell us, what do we have in this episode?
2: As ever, we have laid out a feast for you. Three yummy stories, a meaty entree, which is our interview with Dr. Wayu Patosa, a pantry segment where we'll be talking about using sound effects in storytelling and Targa, our story clinic featuring the effervescent Jiva Ragunath. So, get comfy as we serve you the first course. A Miso in the form of a warm tale by Dr. Jonkit
1: Wongpinit. So Dr. Poom, she's currently been the assistant professor at Surindra Rajabat University at Thailand. She has been storytelling throughout Thailand and also at Vietnam, India, Malaysia. Now, the most unique thing about Dr. Pum is she's not just a storyteller. She is a collector and a researcher of local folk tales. And she finds these amazing stories. In fact, after listening to the story that's coming up, I have gathered some great tips to burn off all that Thai food that I have been eating.
3: The legend of the gourmet fish. Once upon a time, In the remote Kama village, the land was very dry. People who usually looked for food in the rice fields and the forest were in trouble. Because there was nothing left to eat, and even the rice in the barn was brought to cook until the end. Therefore, when it came to planting season, there was no more rice grains left for breeding. There was a rumor that villagers could go and ask for the rice seed from Prame Postop or the goddess of rice. However, the way to go was difficult. They had to travel across deep forests, rabbit streams, high cliffs, and rough rocks. Despite many obstacles, the villagers were not discouraged. The headman man called his villagers to the meeting in order to plan the way to get the seats. They decided to choose the village chief and one village man to be their representatives. After the meeting, the two men started their journey to ask for rice seats from Prameposto. They traveled hard for several days, until they reached the edge of the forest, where a large rock blocked their way. Behind the large rock, there was a small stream which they could see from a small hole. The hole was too small, and no one could pass through. They were all discouraged that there would be no more rice grains to grow and eat. Everyone in the village must starve to death for sure. While the two men were contemplating their concerns, a tiny voice was heard from the stream. Hey, hello my friends, what are you suffering from? What is your problem, my friend? Please let me know. Both men turned to look at the voice. They were very surprised to see a little plum and raw fish moving her mouth to speak to them. So they shared the problem with the little fish. When the fish had finished listening to the farmers, she said, Don't worry, sir. I will help you. I volunteer to ask for the rice seed from Pramib herself for you. Please wait here. Don't worry. Be happy. Then the little fish squeezed herself into the crevice of the rock. She inserted her slow body into it until it turned flat that she could pass through to the other side. Then she took a difficult swim upstream until she met the goddess of rice. The fish said, My lady, I volunteered to be a farmer representative to ask you for some rice grains. Please, please have mercy on me. The goddess saw this and said, Little fish, your kindness is so beautiful. I am delighted to have you bring some grains to those farmers, but... You can only take one seed at a time, which means you must swim upstream, back and forth, for many times. Can you do it? The little fish heard this, and accepted what she had to face. She opened her mouth to receive the grain, and swam back to bring the grain to the farmers, who were waiting on the other side of the stream. Then. She swam back upstream. She swam back and forth until the grain of the rice fills the palm of the man's hand. The fish was so exhausted from swimming back and forth. Her body that used to be round and plump had become flat. It is believed that this is the reason why the gorumi fish are flat. Finally, the little fish said to the farmer warily please please bring the seeds to plant and divide the seed for planting next season. When I die, please take my body as an offering to the goddess to show our gratitude that she has that she that she has given us the, the rice grains. When she finished saying that, the little fish suffocated to death. The farmers then took the body of the fish with them. When they arrived, they told the villagers to arrange a ceremony to worship the goddess of rice, as the fish asked before her death. Since then, when paying homage to the prime or the rice goddess, the Khmer people always have the flat Gaurami fish as an element of the offering.
2: Hmm, that really was a touching story Dr. Poom. The gourami fish definitely won my respect. Thank you for sharing that. See, I told you Shereen, the gourami fish makes you fit.
1: Anyway, now that we've had that amazing appetizer, let's move on to the entree, our interview segment, where we'll be talking to the founder and president of the Folk Deals and the Arts Storytelling Foundation, Dr. Vayupa Tosa. Vayupa is a retired associate professor, a PhD holder from the Mahasarakam University in Thailand. She has been a storyteller since 1995 and trained under Dr. Margaret Reed Macdonald. In fact, Vayupa tells stories to revitalize the use of Isan dialects and local folk tales among young people. She's been featured in numerous international storytelling festivals around the world, in addition to which she's produced several successful festivals in Thailand. Wayupa is also one of the founding members of FEAST, which we are very proud of. And thank you for being here with us today, Wayupa. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to see enough of you over the last two years. For us, the virus really cancelled FEAST's conference two years in a row now. And I am also desperate to get out of Singapore at this point. But... Uh, I did notice that we haven't been able to see you much in the new
4: digital storytelling realm. I joined a few of these festivals in the past two years. However, nothing can replace the live storytelling with the presence of the audience. To me, it's a heart-to-heart communication between the storyteller and the audience.
1: Yeah, I do agree. It is a heart-to-heart communication. In fact, I have been uh, struggling to connect through this uh, microphone, laptop, uh, Zoom thingy. So, so yes, I do. I completely understand what you're saying.
4: I think digital storytelling performances in the epidemic crisis is a way to keep storytelling going for our foundation, we would rather wait until COVID is gone before we organize any international storytelling.
1: And we can't wait to come. Meanwhile, Sharon is here looking at me like she's bursting to ask the next question. So, Sharon, what's that
2: burning question that you have? Wayuba, back in 1995, you were Thailand's only international storyteller. Can you briefly take us through how the storytelling scene in Thailand has changed over the last
4: 25 years? Well, in Thailand, the scene has not changed much. There are many movements in bringing storytelling to life. However, Thai storytellers have limitations in the use of English. Thus, they could not join the international storytelling festivals. At Ping's, In Penang, Malaysia, there are a couple of opportunities for Thai storytellers to join with sponsors. But because of the storytellers' limitation in the use of English, they were not popular.
1: Hmm, I understand.
4: I guess all over Asia,
1: we do have this little bit of a language barrier. In fact, uh, from my home country, Uh, India, we have so many languages within the single country that sometimes it's not enough to know just one language. But maybe sometime in the future we can harness the power of technology like using those instantaneous translation devices that you just speak into but then the language that comes out of it is whatever the person wants to hear. And storytelling can happen that way. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, but Vayubo, I had one more thing to ask you. Jiva, our feast director, once told me that some of your students actually do in fact have a good command over the English language.
4: Well, their styles are still not quite unique. There is an attempt of a performer to tell stories at Pink's. But again, he was not successful because... He still considered himself an actor, not a storyteller. One of my former students, whose command of English is excellent, is musical. She adds songs and music in her telling, and she has done a great job.
2: It's lovely to hear that you inspire your students to become storytellers. I now want to take you back to a time when you were a student of storytelling training under Dr. Margaret Reed Macdonald. You worked with her for a year from 1995 to 1996, translating stories from English to Lao. What I find really fascinating is how you developed a co-telling style together. Do you think storytellers should explore co-telling?
4: What are your thoughts on that? Co-telling or tandem-telling, if you could find the storyteller that you feel comfortable working with. You have to work with the other teller for a period of time until you could synchronize the energies and the styles. I think if you can find a storyteller with similar energies, you could try to explore tandem tellings in an informal and friendly atmosphere and see if it works. Mmm, the perfect
1: match your soul mate at least your story soul mate it is a gift to find a partner who totally syncs up in fact a viper you know recently at the indonesian festival i saw ba and jiva pair up and team up to do a bilingual tandem and wow it was a perfect harmony Uh, Coincidentally, both of them are featuring in this episode later on. Gifted tellers. Uh, Speaking of gifts and gifted tellers, Wayupa, how did you go from being Thailand's first international storyteller to becoming this first director, first creator of Thailand's International Storytelling Festival? How was that experience and how did the first festival go?
4: It was very successful. I was able to receive funding and collaboration from Maha Sarakam University and other organizations like Simeo Subbafa. Because of the success of the first International Storytelling Festival, I was able to continue the festival five more years in a row. In 2015, the Princess Maha Chakri Sirinton Anthropology Center in Bangkok became a major co-host and the festival was organized in Bangkok and Mahasarakam with funding to bring more international storytellers.
1: That sounds absolutely wonderful. I also remember reading about a break after
4: 2015. What, what happened there? Well, the festival came to a halt After my retirement from Mahasraqam University in 2016, I had no official affiliation. In 2018, a few of my friends and I established the Folk Tales and the Arts of Storytelling Foundation. We were able to host International Storytelling Festival again in a smaller scale we could host two to five tellers two years in a row.
2: We're so glad you were able to revive the festival.
4: Wayupa, when do you think you'll be inviting us? When COVID-19 is gone, we do plan to run our regular storytelling services, which include an international storytelling festival. Perhaps in 2022, we could become active again. We're keeping our fingers and
2: toes crossed. Thank you, Vaipa. But before we let you go, I have one final question. What words of advice do you have for beginner storytellers across
4: Asia? What is my top advice? Well, first, choose the story you are going to tell well, the one that touches your heart. Second, Try out many ways of telling that story. Try with first friendly and enthusiastic audience. Each time you try to tell the story, observe how the audience react to your telling. Tell as many times as you can and increase the distance of the audience, meaning the degree of distance. When you are confident enough, you can try telling the story to a completely different audience. Third, deliver the story from your heart. While telling stories, send out positive vibes to the audience, aiming at the comfort of the audience. You have to remember that you are a caretaker, not a performer or actor. You want the audience to enjoy your story. You do not want to just impress them.
1: Caretaker, what a powerful word. I've been really struggling to be a caretaker through the computer. Well,
4: well I can tell for on behalf of other storytellers, but I can tell from my point of view. If you tell stories without the presence of the audience, or telling online, you have to extend your imagination and think of how you could make them comfortable and happy while listening to your stories. Thank you for those final golden
1: words, uh, Vayupa. It's been a joy having you here at Story Walk and thank you for your generosity.
2: It's dim sum time, and that means another delicious story. To tell the story, I'd like to welcome a firecracker of a teller, M.Q. Takara popularly known by her short and sweet stage name B.A. Oral telling, books and films, B.A. has done it all. She's a member of Ayodongeng, Indonesia, a storytelling movement and community in Indonesia. She's also a co-founder of Nest a storytelling movement for teenagers and adults. Here's a lesser known fact. She loves costume parties. So if you're hosting one, she'd love to get an invite. B.A., it's your turn in the spotlight. Take it away.
5: Hello, friends. My name is B.A. I'm a storyteller from Indonesia. Today, I'm going to tell a story from a neighboring country I love dearly. Oh, have you met the fisherman, the fisherman, the fisherman? Have you met the fisherman who lived in Thailand? In a coastal village in Thailand lived two best friends, Tain and Tana. Tain and Tana were fishermen. Since they were little, they do everything together. They walked to the beach together. Pom 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 pom. They rode a small boat together. Row 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 row. And they casted their rod together. Swing. The rods got to the water. And they caught a hundred fishes. They shared their catches, cooked them, and ate together. Yummy, 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 yum! Every day, that's what happened. They walked to the beach together. pum, pom 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 They rode a small boat together. Row-a-row, row-a-row, row row row, row 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 and they casted their rod together. Swing! The rods got to the water, but now they caught fewer fishes, only 50 fishes. But they shared their catches, cooked them, and ate together. Yummy, 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 yum! It went like that until one long dry and hot summer month arrived. They walked to the beach together. Pom pom They rowed a small boat together. Row 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 row. They casted their rod together. sweet. The rods got to the water, and they caught fewer and fewer fishes because it was so hot and dry. Ten fishes. The next day, nine fishes. The next day, eight fishes. Then, seven, six, five fishes. And finally, in the middle of the summer, The hot and dry summer, they only caught one fish. Mm, Tain, I only caught one fish, said Tana. "Oh, Lucky for you, Tana, I didn't catch any fish at all, answered Tain. Mm, Don't worry, my friend, we'll share just like what we always do, said Tana. They cooked the fish, and when they were going to eat, Tain said, Oh, I'll take the head and the middle part of the fish, and you, you'll take the tail, Tana. Huh? What? Why? I'm the one who caught the fish. I should take the head and the middle part. Oh, but, 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 I'm the oldest out of us, too. I should get the best part of the fish. Oh, but what's age got to do with this? Also, you are only a month older than me, said Tana. Oh, you should be ashamed for not respecting the oldest. Hey, you should be ashamed for demanding the best part of something that's not yours. You're lucky I'm kind enough to share the fish with you. You, you are so arrogant. What about you? You're so ungrateful. Hey, you, you wanna fight? Yeah, let's fight! Then, they threw punches at each other. Pow, 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 And they kicked each other too. Twog, 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 They made such a riot in the fisherman village. Pow, 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 bing, 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 boom, 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 kapow, 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 twog, twog, twog. Stop fighting! A village elder called Yu came by and separated Tain and Tana. He demanded Tain and Tana to explain what had happened. After he listened to them, Taiyu said, Hmm, no, 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 no. Two best friends shouldn't fight just because of a simple fish. Tana, you take the head because you're the one who caught the fish. Tain, you take the tail because you didn't catch the fish. Now me, I'm taking the middle part because I solve your problem. Tayu divided the fish, gave the head to Tana, the tail to Tain, and took the middle part for himself. Now stop fighting! And he left. Tain and Tana stared at each other. Ooh we're such fools. We're tired and sad, and Yu get the best part of the fish. Mm, we shouldn't be so selfish, In Yes, we shouldn't be so selfish since the very beginning, Tana. You are right. So, the next day, they walked to the beach together. And they rode a small boat together. Row row row, 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 and they casted their rod together. Swing, plop, the rods got to the water, and again, they only caught one fish. But they cooked the fish and shared it. Ntain, you caught the fish this time, so you get the head and half of the middle part, and I'll eat the tail and another half of the middle part. Said Tana, Tain agreed, and they ate together. Yummy, 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 yum! yum. Then, the hot and dry weather slowly went away. Shoo, 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 shoo. Tain and Tana began to catch more and more fish. They agreed to divide the fish evenly between them. And then they caught 50 fishes. A month later, a hundred fishes. A month later, 500 fishes. And a month later, a thousand fishes. Wow. They even hired men to work for them now. And they built their fishing empire together. Tain and Tana grew old as best friends until all their hairs were white. Their backs were hunched and their breaths were short. <coughs> they no longer walked to the beach and rowed the small boats together because they already had men to do that for them. But they still cooked their fish and ate together. Yummy, 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 yum! And that's the tale of the fisherman, the fisherman, the fisherman. That's the tale of the fisherman who lived in Thailand. Thank you for listening.
2: Whoa. Wasn't that like watching Cartoon Network? Absolutely brilliant stuff, BA. And in fact, it ties in very nicely with our next segment, Pantry. Da, da 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 Welcome to the Pantry. This is where all six of us podcast producers chip in with our tips and tricks on storytelling. Today, we're talking about sound effects. And by that, I don't mean the sounds that you can create with musical instruments. We're referring to special sounds or words that we can make with our voice and body to enhance a story. Why? Because sound effects help with visualization and audience engagement, particularly with young listeners. On that note, let's start with you, Ritu. You have a lot of experience telling stories to children. Could you share some examples of fun and easy sound effects
6: one can use? Yeah sure so you know as you said it enhances the imagery it helps the children understand the scene sometimes or sometimes what is exactly what exactly is happening in the scene so some can be like if there's somebody coming quietly and you want to knock at the door you know suspiciously or if children are excited about it and they knock or, if you want to create the effect that it was a beautiful rainy day, you just cup your hands and you can probably, you know, even make the children do it and go. Bit better raindrops. It just light rain. Or, if you have a horse approaching, you can, you know, even use... you know, it is exciting for the children and it gives them a feel of the scene where the story is taking place.
2: Absolutely, Ritu. Meher, what about you? Let's have you talk about some other kinds of sounds. So, in many of our stories, we have the characters opening doors and the door sounds that I really like to make would be something like and then there are people or characters in the story who climb staircases steps. So when they climb the steps and the sound goes like to, 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 and if you want to make that faster, you go to, to, to show urgency, to show speed. So that's some of the sounds that I'd like to use in my story. Ooh, these sound perfect for horror stories. <laughs> maybe something you can all think about when you tell stories this Halloween. Absolutely. Arpa, you have that infamous cockerel sound that you use quite effectively. Mm-hmm. Can you share that and maybe some of the other animal sounds that you've been exploring recently? Mm-hmm. Well, a neighbor
1: once told me how a hen
2: in heat would
1: make a noise. And of course, off late, I've been visiting Swee-Ann's house, who's a storyteller in Singapore, and she has a tiny little dog, and that goes... So I love, I've just started exploring animal sounds. And and I think Antonia Hosha's webinar on Feast really helped me. It's available on the store. So if you're interested
2: in animal sounds, do check it out. Perfect plug, Kripa. And on that note, we'll go to you, Roger. What are your two bits on this?
0: So, for me, I often like to try and get the audience to help me with the sound effects. And one of the ways I do that, particularly when I'm telling uh, Japanese stories, it seems, is that I will use Japanese onomatopoeia. In Western culture, we might say bang or thud. In Japan, it's dadong, dadong. If we have a snake coming through the grass, then it's zuru zuru. Zuru Zuru. A man walking. Pakapan, 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 pakapan. And best of all, instead of saying gurgle, gurgle, as the river flows along, when I was telling the story of the three paper charms, my friend Junko suggested that in Japanese, one would say gabu-gobu, gabu-gobu, gabu gabu-gobu, 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 gabu and when you get an audience joining in and using the Japanese on a mass beer or whatever the language, that, the culture that your story comes from, one, they enjoy it because it's strange, it's different, it's fun, and it helps to create the mood and atmosphere while getting the audience very actively involved.
2: Gabba-gobu, gabba-gobu, oh, Wait, let me try that again. Gabba-gobu, gabba-gobu, <laughs> That's amazing. I'm going to use that somewhere. Now, talking about foreign sounds, I personally use rhythmic syllables as sound effects to create drama, to signify action or movement. So, for example, the baby elephant walked down to the river. Or Shiva, the destroyer, was enraged. I really love playing with these kinds of sounds in my storytelling. Which finally brings us to Hridhuparna. I know you use a lot of culinary sounds in your storytelling. Do you want to
5: share some of that? <laughs> no, I've got this one particular story, uh, which has the cooking of an omelette. And the scene is about a hunter. He yanks the big frying pan. <laughs> and then he picks up an egg and he rubs it and then he cracks it and then he whisks the the egg he chops some onion and he puts his omelette his egg on to the frying pan some onions and some chilies and a pepper, pepper and, and salt, and then it sizzles.
2: That sounds absolutely delicious. I particularly love that whisking sound. So listeners. There really is no limit to what you can do with a little bit of imagination when it comes to sound effects. I hope this has given you lots of food for thought. Remember, don't feel shy about looking silly. Have fun, explore, and create some of your own sound effects. Good luck!
1: I hope you enjoyed that sound symphony that we put together. Now for the surprise. We have brought someone very special to bring some spice into our next section, tadka. If you're listening in from our part of the world, you know that Asian spices are not just about flavor. They're all about the medicine and... Aren't they, sharing? In fact, my mother tongue, Tamar, has a saying. It goes like this which literally means that food is medicine and medicine is food now our guest, our Martavachi, our medicine woman today is bringing spice with both the taste and the treatment to our questions say hello to Jeeva, one of our directors here at Feast who is also one of the pioneers of bringing Indian storytelling to the rest of the world
7: vanakam jeeva raghunath chennai
1: india jeeva thank you for being here and let's dive straight into the medicine shall we so i know that you have worked extensively with polyglot kind of tales bilingual tandems have you ever had a situation where there is a lack of sync or mismatch between the teller and the creative translator?
7: How do you manage that? As far as uh, bilingual storytelling is concerned, one thing is there must be understanding between the teller and the uh, translator. But, uh, you know, there have been a lot of instances where the translator is so all struck by the story you tell... They fail to translate and they look at you and say, huh? And then you got to say, hey, come on, translate, you know, with all the fun. And they start doing it. Sometimes, you know, the translator is much better than the teller. And again, you're like, wow, don't you think that she's better than the teller? And that's also happens at times. And sometimes there's perfect synchronization between the teller and the translator. And it comes out beautifully. But one thing I need to tell is that the translator needs to know a little about the story that you're going to tell so that they have an idea. And of course, in storytelling, it's not like word-to-word translation, but still you get the feel of it. But when they do the translation, it should not be a transliteration, but it has to sound like it's their own language. It's amazing. Sometimes I do my Indian sound like kada-kada, guru, guru. And they do the Indonesian version or the Thai version and they have their own little sounds. And it's amazing and it's really fun because it's two-way. Both of us learn from each other. I think it's a wonderful way to do bilingual storytelling in different languages. I just love it. Mm. Jeeva, I
2: really loved what you said about the teller and the translator feeding off each other's energies. That really does take the performance to another level, doesn't it? And fantastic tip about integrating words from the local language to build a bridge with the audience. Something to really keep in mind. Lovely. Now, um, my question to you is, as someone who has worked extensively with native oral storytellers and traditional telling styles, what is your advice for contemporary storytellers who are keen to collaborate with traditional artists?
7: One way for storytellers to collaborate with traditional artists or with indigenous people is to get connected with a university that does on Asian, uh, you know, uh, Asian culture or Asian studies or any kind of cultural studies, which means it will carry more weight because it is associated with a university or a college. And then you do it as an extended program whereby you get to sit with the indigenous people or with the traditional storytellers stay with them learn their art and also pass on what you know and that way the collaboration can turn out to be something very useful for the next generation to come Agreed It's also time for me to give a shameless plug about
1: one of Feast's upcoming mentorships because I think it ties in beautifully to what you had to say So Coming on the 21st of July this month is the Museums, Cultural Sites, and Heritage Sites panel discussion, where we are speaking about, along with four other lovely tellers from all over the world, sui Wong, Annabel Castano, Anna Salaman, and Joe Henwood, who are discussing the possible and potential roles that storytellers can have at these different places. I believe that this is a starting point, perhaps, for storytellers to start thinking out of the box and find ways to meet uh, traditional storytellers, folklorists, and also kind of go out into these places. So, thank you, Jeeva. Thank you so much for being here. It has been a pleasure, and you've given us some lovely tadka medicine to think about.
7: Thank you so much.
2: It's now time for a fortune cookie, our last story for this month's episode. Presenting the fortune cookie is one
1: smart cookie. Hmm. Preeti Modi Aya, my friend here from Singapore, she is a party. Yep, that's the best way to describe her storytelling style. She brings the party wherever she goes. Apart from being a storyteller, she's a life coach, a firewalking instructor, a management graduate, and a naturopathy doctor. You know, sometimes Preeti jokes with me and she says that she did all these courses and has all these life experiences just to beef up her resume. (laughs) Well, speaking of beef and spice and Thai food stirred up my appetite today, which makes me think of actually how blessed we are to have food on our plate. Especially these years of the pandemic that have been pretty hard. What do, what do you think, Shireen? I mean, I have never experienced hunger in my life, but this man, this man in Preeti's story, well, I should get Preeti to tell you the story herself.
8: giving credit where it is due. A long, long time ago in Thailand, there lived a young man. He was quite poor and travelled from place to place, working for what little money he could earn. Some days he ate, other days he went hungry. One day, as he sat by the side of the road, to have his simple meal of cow, or plain rice, an old woman walked towards him. Look, chai, son, I have not eaten for a few days. Could you spare some food for this old woman? The young man said, Old mother, I have only this cow, this plain rice, but you are welcome to share it with me. The two ate, and as the young man got up to leave, the old beggar woman took his hand and said, You have been kind to me, so I will give you a magic spell. There is one thing you must remember. If I teach it to you, I become your teacher, and therefore worthy of your respect. And you must respect me all your life. The young man agreed at once and learned the magic. And it was wonderful magic. He could now walk up to a fruit tree in any season. And with a little bit of water in his palm, say some magic words, blow on the water and pour the water over the tree, and at once the tree would burst into bloom and fruit would appear. As he travelled from place to place, he would astonish people with this magic and they would reward him. He never went hungry anymore. One day, the young man was in a tea house in a rich city. It was winter and very, very cold when all at once the king's messengers came in and proclaimed, The queen is full with child. She desires to eat a mango. Whomsoever can fulfill this craving will earn the gratitude of the king and a handsome reward. said the tea-house owner. Where will anyone find a mango in winter? Summer is still so far away when the mango flowers bloom, let alone the fruit ripen. Oh, this is terrible. A mother's craving should always be satisfied. The young man went at once to the palace and offered his service. The king and the guards followed him to the royal orchard. And there he went to a mango tree, and with a small bowl of water in his hand, he said the magic words. He blew on the water gently and poured it on the tree. And it was wondrous to see. The tree burst into bloom, the flowers ripened, and became a luscious golden mango. The mango was ceremoniously plucked and presented to the queen, who was overjoyed. The man was well rewarded, and from that day on, he lived in a new house that the king had built for him. He didn't need to use his secret any longer, and so he simply enjoyed his wealth. One day, the king called for him and said, I wish a mango now in this winter. And I also wish to know who taught you this wonderful magic. Tell me the name of your teacher and then give me a mango and I will make you richer than you can imagine. And now the man was suddenly ashamed of the old beggar woman who had taught him. And so He lied and said he had learnt it from a holy sage in the forest. When he walked up to the mango tree in the royal orchard, as before, he took a bowl of water. He said the words he blew on the water and poured it on the tree and waited. And waited, because nothing happened. He attempted to do this over and over. He blew on the water first. He said the words after. He poured the water on the ground. He even drank the water himself the tree remained bare and quiet. What is wrong? demanded the king. And so ashamed, the man finally admitted the truth. The king was furious at the man's lack of respect for his teacher. He took all of the man's wealth away and banished him from the kingdom. And again, The man found himself walking from town to town, seeking work, sometimes even begging. It is said that everywhere he passed, he told the story, so that in that kingdom at least, no one ever disrespected a teacher ever again.
3: Hmm.
1: Receiving a gift and giving due credit. Something to think about. Now, Shireen, have you ever been gifted a story?
2: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yes, I have. My great-grandmother was the first storyteller I knew, and she would tell some very animated tales that had a lot of play and, and tickling involved. Tickling? Well,
1: my grandmother did a bit of scarring. In fact, her story was the first story I ever told as a storyteller. And perhaps she was the one that scarred me into storytelling. I always give my grandmother due credit. And I hope you do too for all the gifts of stories that you receive. But to know more about that story and what exactly my grandmother told me, you have to wait for our next episode coming up next month on the 19th. That's all we have for you today. If you, yes, you sitting on the other side of this earphone, microphone, internet thingy, enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together, do write us an email at storywalk at gmail.com. But now, signing off, Ungay Kripa
2: Vinay And me, Shireen Saif. Remember, stories are gifts meant to be shared. Toodaloo!